This is the first episode of Talking Real, the podcast. I'm A. I'm G. In this episode, we will be talking Back to the Future. It's a trilogy, if Hi. you didn't know. But, um, so, Back to the Future. Today is October 21st, 2020. Anybody who's watched Back to the Future knows that it's a significant date. Yes. Um, in the uh, Back to the Future Part 2, mm-hmm. when Doc uh, grabs Marty and his girl, whose name is escaping me for some reason, um, they are descending towards Hill Valley in a flying mm-hmm. DeLorean. And the time on the time travel machine DeLorean control panel says October 21st, 2015, mm-hmm. around 4 p.m. or something like that. So, October 21st is significant. I remember uh, on that day, October 21st, 2015, you and I went to go to the movie theater. Yes, we did. To see Back to the Future uh, in the movies. It was really fun, but it was still really, really good. It was, it was fun to go there. It was a fun experience. And for me, it was kind of an introduction into the Back to the Future lore. I didn't know that many grown adults liked the movie. Yeah, you're not a science fiction guy. No, no, no. So when we went to the premiere, it was a really big deal. Everybody was really excited. And it was fun. The energy felt really good. Everybody was was stoked. Everybody knew all the lines. It was just it was a really great it's experience. It's different watching a movie in theaters that has already been released and has been released some time ago. Mm-hmm. Because... Watching a movie for the first time, you're just getting first-time reactions unless you got some repeat offenders in here watching a movie. But mm-hmm. most time you go to see a movie, it's your first time seeing it. <laughs> repeat offenders. That's a good way to, <laughs> to, to like, I guess, uh, classify the guy in the back. like, he dies at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was fun. Everybody was interactive. And I had my little sweatshirt mm-hmm. that had the Back to the Future Day, which does not fit anymore. It's crazy how so much can change in five years. But anyway, mm-hmm. so back to the future trilogy. There's, it's, it's a really. It used to be my favorite trilogy for mm-hmm. the longest. It was my complete, not just trilogy, my favorite series, my favorite movie. If anybody asked, Back to the Future was my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. But you know, as I've gotten older, I don't. I it depends on the genre. I say my favorite movie. I don't really know if I have an all-time favorite movie right now at yeah. this point. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, each... Every good movie is almost like a person to me. That and, makes sense. That makes sense, though. And I, I can see how it's changed over time. It's like your tastes have become more distinguished. I don't even know if I... Yeah, okay. That's a good compliment. I don't know if I'm more distinguished. <laughs> but, like, you know, when you look at a person... They're not perfect. They have their quirks. They have their flaws, you know. But you love that person. You love hanging out with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so Back to the Future, it has its quirks. There are some flaws. But it's still an amazing movie. It's mm-hmm. a great movie. I love every time I watch it. I'm it, No matter how many times I watch the, the movie, the trilogy, I'm absorbed in the narrative. I feel like it's the first time I'm watching it, even though I know everything that's about to happen. I will be honest, it's hard not to. And I feel like it's because it was really executed well. It was very well. I mean, when you look at it, you got everything from a great score. And then on top of that, you have amazing music. You got Huey Lewis in the news. Mm -hmm. And you have this really lovable dumb kid and a quirky (laughs) doc that's all over the place. 
and he's he's just named Doc, you know. Yeah. And then it's it's a lot of key elements that make it a very compelling story that you just kind of want to fall into and follow to the end, you know. Right. And getting into it, there's some context I feel like we should get into because this movie uses time travel. You can say Back to the Future is about time travel, and I'm like, eh, I, not really. I mean, they have the DeLorean. You got this scientist who's finally built a time machine. But to Mm -hmm. me, it's more than just about time travel. Mm -hmm. There are some heavy themes in there. And um, I'll get to that later about really what makes this story compelling. But the context, let's look into time travel. Now, I'm no expert. I didn't read a book or anything. I did my daily Google. Mm -hmm. And so uh, looking at time travel as a concept, it wasn't always the concept which we think it is. Right. It's even in our everyday phrases. Oh, man, if I could just go back and undo that. I don't know if that was a thought process of ancestors past. But Mm. looking at the time travel that we look at, I see that come out in about the 19th century. Mm -hmm. I forget the names of the guys who you know, did what they did, but I'm pretty sure H.G. Wells coined the term the time machine. Mm -hmm. I have my own theory about that. But time travel in the past, you saw it in, in, you know, religious people. I think it was like Hindu mythology. Uh, I think there was a Jewish Jewish traditional story. I think Mm -hmm. there was like a Buddhist guy who was talking about some stuff and they all did this thing where you fell asleep or you go went to heaven, interacted with some people and you came back and it's like, oh, no. 300 years have passed so time was relative I think the Buddhist guy there was a Buddhist guy that introduced that concept but time was always their concept of time travel seemed to look forward to the future like Mm. let's look forward man that's kind of funny they they must have just been really bored with the present and they were just like the past is old I don't want to go back there no 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 but I don't think they even conceptualized it that way like going back to the past that's interesting to say that that's just what I think because I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you because you never see an older look at time travel, like you were saying, considering going back to yesterday or no, last week. You don't. To, to, in an interesting way, they always go back to time. Uh-huh. It's like the Rip Van Winkle, I passed out, fell asleep, woke up 70 years later. Uh-huh. That's what you typically saw uh-huh. when you saw time travel. Somebody went somewhere, came back, or to where they were wherever they were and time had passed and everybody they knew was dead or somebody fell asleep for so long and mm. everybody knew was dead so sleep was the way to go and they did all this with no DeLoreans no there were no machines now you to the 19th century mm-hmm. we're in the industrial revolution there's a machine for that right that would be the tagline <laughs> for the industrial revolution there's a machine for everything that's my theory of why time travel is used in the way and shown in the way which we see it you got to get in some kind of machine whether it's a refrigerator or a telephone booth mm-hmm. or a DeLorean you know you, it's a machine because that's the way we saw things moving okay okay you no longer are just like you wake up in a different time period it's now we're moving backward and forward in time so now looking at time travel in the 19th century way of viewing it the mm-hmm. past is a place and the future is a place it's no longer a concept there are places in which you can inhabit and interact with as if it's normal reality so mm-hmm. your present time 
is not the present time for everyone else on planet Earth. Your present time is different. You might be with the dinosaurs or you might, you know, be sitting there talking philosophy with Plato. You can go and interact with those people, but then there's the theory of will you change things? Right. And, you know, those that's a whole conversation in and of itself. So that's a really small nugget into, I think, time travel. So now we have the 80s. And we're knee-deep in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's 1985. Doc has built his time travel vehicle out of mm-hmm. a DeLorean. And as they're testing it, you know, Doc is killed. Marty is driving away from, you know, the villains, the murderers, whatever you want to call them. And he accidentally ends up in 1955 because when he was talking to Doc... He's telling him, oh, this is when time travel's invented. Yes, I remember November 5th, 1955. I slipped, I hit my head. I had a vision, a revelation, and I drew this. And this is the flux capacitor. This is what makes time travel possible. So you got an idea. You got a piece of machinery some guy came up with, and that's how we, you know, have time travel. So that's pretty much the context, you know. Right. So I think what makes this story not a time travel movie Mm-hmm. Not a time travel story is the things that make it compelling, the themes in it, like family, expectations, dreams, um, personal growth for the characters. Right. Time travel isn't just for the science of it. It's really we're looking at the human condition with these people. We see how they interact with their society. We see how they interact with their family members and we see the effects that has on them. So. It was one of my favorite stories for so long because it was a fun adventure movie. They took you on a wild ride from the first movie to the third movie. And it was so... Back to the Future Part 2 is underrated. You know, I don't know. People don't like it. Okay, I will say that's actually my favorite one. That's your favorite? Back to... Yeah, the second one is my favorite one. The first one is is kind of good. The second one's my favorite because they do everything. They go to the present. They go to the new present. Then they go to the future, and they go to the present. It's like they hit all the places I like. So they get 2015. They started 1985. Yep. Now they started an augmented 1985, mm-hmm. an enhanced, if you will. Yes. So they're in an enhanced 1985. Then they go to 2015 from that time period. Mm-hmm. Then we hit up a dystopian 1985. Yep, all the action in the world is really fun. Then we go back to that enhanced 1985. Mm-hmm. Well, really what makes it compelling is like those things I said, family and whatnot. Looking at time travel, it's a big concept. So the setting is going to be equally as big because we're a product of our environments. Our values, our thoughts about things, a lot of that is influenced by the environment with which we inhabit and the time period that we live in and the generation before us. Mm-hmm. generation coming after us like we we're influenced by these things we're influenced by society so looking at just family like between the different time periods like the first original 1985 you're looking at the 1980s you look at 1950s and the 1880s so you really get a sense of what america was in that time period it's just from you know this fun exercise of time travel through this movie right so you get to see and not just every family. We see one family, just the McFly family. So we're looking at that family and 
what's interesting is you see a lot of dysfunction in 1985. Now, this was the original, not the enhanced version. The enhanced version, you know, they were better off in a sense, I guess. They had more money, I guess. Yeah. But I, they were, the, the love was there, you know. Well, the one thing you see in the story, though, is either you're happy with money or when you have too much, you're horrible. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's just one of those things where we see Biff, when he gets everything that he could possibly want, it just, it spoils him rotten. And he yeah. becomes this horrible person and the future is horrible because of him. And because of all his selfishness that he got from being just having too much. We see with Marty, when he had too much, he had everything he ever wanted. Because his parents had a great life. And it made him absolutely rotten to the point where... Marty? He, yeah, Marty. And when they went to 2015. Because you remember... I, di- I disagree with you on that. What? I disagree. Because looking at Marty mm-hmm. in 1985... He had to do something interesting. Get his parents back together because he bumped into them and changed the timeline. Mm-hmm. And he slowly losing his ability to exist because they weren't interacting with each other. Right. He has to get them to fall in love with each other. It's a major plot point. It's, it's the climax. It's, it's really the story in Back to the Future Part 1. Now, in the end, Marty goes back to 1985 and it's different. Mm-hmm. He and Doc are the only people that have any memory of an alternate timeline, the original timeline. So his family got to know the good parts of each other. The father overcame his self-confidence issue in his youth. Mm -hmm. He overcame his ability or lack lack of ability to handle confrontation. He could handle confrontation. Now, Biff, don't con me. I want two coats of wax, not just one. And so he was like, I'm sorry, Mr. McFly. I'm just starting on the second coat now. So he was like, that Biff, what a character. Like, the father is more relaxed in himself. He's not afraid to confront a situation, whereas that's who he was before. Now, Marty doesn't know these people in that sense. He knows a mother that was a heavy drinker, probably an alcoholic. Yep. He has a father who he has to watch get bullied after he comes home from school. His principal tells him no McFly ever amounted anything in the history of Hill Valley. Nose to nose. I've never even talked to my principals. They were not invested in the individual lives of their students. I don't even understand not that. Not just the individual lives of the students, but the individual lives of the students' family. How do you know my family history? How do they even know my name? My principals didn't know my name. Oh, wow. So I'm just like, okay, that was interesting, strictly. I mean, he was nose to nose with that dude. There's something there, like, some Mick Fly must did something to his ancestor or something. So, interestingly, you see the father, the effect it has on Marty, the trauma he has experienced from that life, the lack of love that his parents had for each other. Because if you listen to the brother and the sister, when they're when they're talking, when, well, the sister's talking, and she's like talking in the original 1985 when they're the, when the mother's romanticizing the past, as we often do. Right. And she was like, "Oh, your father was laying there so helpless, helpless." And 
later on, Doc, when Marty's talking to Doc in 1955, he's like, that's the Florence Nightingale effect. It happens when nurses, when uh, patients fall in love with their nurses at war or whatever. So the mother and father fell for each other in this situation where the father got hit by Lorraine's dad's car. So that their relationship, the cohesion of their relationship was built off pity. It wasn't true love in the fairy tale sense. It was pity. So in the in the Hans 1985, George and Lorraine get a chance to actually fall in love with each other. You know, with a little bit of puppeteering from Marty's point, from having knowledge of the future and doing the best he can with his parents. Right. But Marty does not to get to experience the fruit of his labor. Does he ever get to experience? He gets to go to his house and live in a nice house and see his family be happy, but he still has the scars and trauma from the past. Yes. The telltale sign of the scars from trauma. Anytime somebody calls Marty a chicken, he goes off. He's like, "Oh, don't call me a coward," because he saw his father's cowardice. Yes. And that affected him. That goes directly back to that idea that you were saying earlier how we're products of our environments sometimes our environments i feel like won't give us a direct idea but sometimes we may go the opposite so based on his upbringing he would have been the guy to be docile the guy to be picked on the guy to be messed with but instead he almost responded defensively to do something opposite. defiantly yeah defiantly literally i mean he's the defiant wild child skateboarding rock and roll kid who doesn't take any mess from anybody and he ain't no punk you know, <laughs> it, it's like he he exudes all of this bravado to compensate for the lack of confidence he has based on his upbringing yes and Watching your dad, you got this principal yelling in your face telling you ain't going to be nothing. Then he auditions for the band to play at the dance, and they're like, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Next, so he's rejected then. Then he comes home, the car is wrecked, and his dad is getting berated by the guy who wrecked the car. Mm-hmm. And the son and the dad is like, I know we talked about his son, but I'm afraid I just can't handle confrontation. No. Now, you hear Marty even quote his father saying, I don't think I can take that kind of rejection. Like, he even says, he's like, oh, I'm sounding like my dad. And the thing Marty told his dad was, you can put any, you can accomplish anything that you set your mind to. And so that is the phrase he was encouraging his father with in 1955 to try to get him to, you know, just try, be confident. And that was the phrase the father used in the enhanced 1985. He'd probably been saying that the kid's whole life. Look how ambitious the kids are. Well, the girl is just dating a lot of boys, so I don't think that makes her ambitious. I think it just makes her like popular with the boys. I don't know how the same before? She's the same. Before she was one of the boys and now she, I don't know, she didn't really, women struggle through the Back to Future trilogy. They be struggling with their concept of women. Yeah, they either get knocked out. <laughs> Man, they left their girl in the trash in 1985. The 2015? The t- 2015, yeah, they just said, let's just put them out of trash can. Yeah, um, all right, so I brought my f- girlfriend to the future. I don't really know what's going on. And then Doc just knocks her out. He whoa, did, whoa. He did that a little Consent, too Consent, man. Yeah. Was, oh, what, you ain't never knocked a woman out? <laughs> No. I don't know what Doc did when he was by himself getting a new spleen. I don't know what he and was doing And why did he 55. just happen to have a knockout machine in his hand? 
specifically to use on the girlfriend. No, he was using it for the son so the son could fall asleep because Marty looked just like his son. Okay, so he was going to yeah. pretend to be the son, but he used, he, he got a little happy with that. And I was like, I got to put this girl out. See, I'd like to see like a, a behind the scenes kind of deleted scenes where doctors went around and he messed up and just was knocking everybody out. <laughs> Because that seems like something Doc would do. I don't know, because that was a little much. I was like, dang, we just going to knock this girl out, throw her by the trash. <laughs> they forgot her. <laughs> they, Doc was getting ready to try to throw away this almanac with this get-rich-quiz scheme, and then they happened to see the police picking up the girl. And I was like, really? We just going to leave her by the trash? Whew. But to the original point where I said I disagreed with you. Mm-hmm. Marty did not get to feel the effects of his work. He didn't get the happy home life that his brother and sister got, that his mother and father got. So he still harbored that trauma mm-hmm. from growing up with the mother being a heavy drinker and not really... He didn't really talk to his mom. He was surprised in the new 19... Enhanced 1985 when his mother was like, aren't you going? You've been planning this for two weeks, you know? And he's like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could talk to my mom about girls. Like... That was not the case. His mother was pious. She was like self-righteous. She was like, I never sat in the parked car with a boy or talked to boys. And she was talking about that. And then when he went to the 50s, that girl was wilding. She was sitting there. I swiped it from the old lady's liquor cabinet. Come on, girl. Uh And then she was trying to, anybody who's anybody drinks. And then she was trying to smoke. And she was like, oh, what? This ain't the first time I parked with a boy. I'm almost 18. Like, she was wild. His mama was his mama. And so she was pretending. In front of the kids. Yeah. She pretended so much she might have believed what she was saying. But that that woman was sad and drinking. That Calvin Klein brought it out of her. No, no. She, she, I think the effect he had on his mother was the most poignant at the, in the car when she kisses him. And she's like, kissing you is like kissing my brother. And, you know, she's getting... Biff pulls Marty out the car. They throw him in the back seat. And he's sexually assaulting the girl and Lorraine. And George has to come protect her. And he punches Biff. I mean, mm-hmm. knocks him out one punch. And we're like, whoa, we laid him out. You've been bullied by this dude all high school. Of course you knocked him out one punch. You was just waiting for the confidence to punch him. What, Lorraine? What? <laughs> you talking about in the first one? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, so Marty... The reason 2015 was so bad for Marty is because he never got over and accepting the fact that it's okay. You don't have to accept anything somebody says. It don't matter what people think of you. Mm -hmm. Just because they call you a chicken, that person has no power over you. And he did not even get to that point until he confronted his family in the Old West. He saw the beginnings. He saw the hope for the future. He saw them being proud of their little baby, being the first baby born in America. So... He got to see that. He gets in a true confrontation to where I could die if I, you know, this is a wild, wild west. Like, you get shot, you die. And so, you know, Marty does the whole thing. It's interesting because it's a callback of the movie they were watching in Back to the Future Part Mm 2 when he walks in on Biff and them girls in a hot tub. I think he's watching some Clint Eastwood movie or something. It's some western. I don't know. I'm not really into westerns like that. And he had the little metal plate tied to his chest, and he got shot, and they took the metal plate off. That's the kind of Okay. So, Marty had got shot. Mm-hmm. And he uh, took the plate off, and 
Biff was like, oh, you know, because, you know, he didn't. And then I think he beats Biff with the plate or whatever. So Marty has a true confrontation with his life or death. And in the end, uh, Needles is like, come on, man, we're going to drive because he's in his car. You know, that big car. What's interesting is Marty almost hit the Rolls Royce. That was the accident that sent Marty into a depression in 2015. His hand got messed up and he could no longer play the guitar. The reason that Marty made that kind of mistake was because we're looking at 2015 from an enhanced 1985 perspective where we have a Marty who's out of place in his time. Yep. He ran into that Rolls Royce because somebody called him a chicken. He didn't know how to handle that car, but he didn't know how to appreciate the things he grew up with. You see what I'm saying? So that Marty is the Marty we see in 2015. That's why he ran into that Rolls Royce because he was still dealing with that problem with okay, so his you're own self confidence. Marty never actually got the time continuum change treatment that everybody else yes. in the world got. So he yes. never got that positive change. So you're saying no. that, oh, well, Marty from the original 85 was the one that crashed and then enhanced 85. Mm-hmm. And if he. Actually we continue time. watching him. Um, He's living there with a dysfunctional family. Yep. The, the son is just like a weird, cowardly yeah, version I, of. Yeah, his son was something else. So that you see, Marty, he had to work on himself too. So that's why I disagree with you because I feel like Marty still had to work on that coward thing. And that's really what makes the story compelling is the, the, the option for personal growth for each character. Now, the mother, she tends to got better around the man she was around. So she was an alcoholic when George was a coward. Then she was blossoming and happy when George protected her and loved her. And they had a loving relationship built not on pity, but on love. Right. What's interesting about George is Lorraine, the Biff sexually started on a car. Uh, you look at part two, Biff is trying to lift a skirt up. I mean, even in part one, Biff is trying to hold on to her, and she's like, get your meat hooks off of me. Like, you needed a male protection up in that, yes, that joint. Like, for real, though. Looking for a man in 1955 is different than looking for a man in 2020. Because, you know, you can't do that nowadays. You can't just look up a girl's skirt and think it's just going to be cool. Yeah, the, the interesting part for me is how public it was. He walked about two city blocks in here playing with this girl's Who is, where are these adult males to come take this man and say, stop it, young man? Were they scared of getting bullied too? No, I think they just knew what they did. Like, hey, yeah, get you a feel. Oh, I was wow. there youngin. I mean. That is so horrible, but I would not be surprised if that was the case. I mean, I'm just saying, they, that wasn't nobody saying nothing. That, oh, that's the teenagers. You know, they do that. She probably like it. You know, they... But what's interesting with George is she said, George, are you going to kiss me? She gives him consent. And George is still nervous. But he, And then some guy's like, scram, McFly, I'm cutting in. And he pushes George out the way and starts dancing with Lorraine and force dancing with her, putting his body all on. I'm like, man, y'all can't help sex assaulting these women. So George has to push that man on the floor. And he finally takes this woman. The music squells. Oh, 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 Earth Angel. You know, that song was playing. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know, that song was hidden. It was. Uh, and they had the perfect kiss, and it was just like. He, Marty, got to live every child's dream who has a dysfunctional family unit. 
My parents don't love each other. If I could just go back and put them together, I know my parents. I could make them love each other better. <laughs> that is so fun. Every child. To think. I mean, you, you sitting there watching your parents suffer through this marriage, and you're like, man, I, I, could, I could make them fall in love. I could do that. I don't know, maybe it's a lot of kids with dysfunctional family units with divorce and stuff. But with the divorce rate so high in America, you know, these kids suffering. But, yeah, that, 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 that's, a, that's a dream scenario. I went back into the past and made my dad a better guy. And, but back to what I was saying about Lorraine, though, she's tend to change whoever she's around. And with Biff, you know, killed George. When Biff killed George, he married Lorraine. I don't know if there was anybody to stop him from marrying her. I don't know how that happened. And so, got her to get the plastic surgery, you know, had her, she was back to heavy drinking in the dystopia 1985. So I'm just like, man, Lorraine, it depends on the man she around. It's her personal growth. But there is opportunities for personal growth with different characters. So you see Doc, I see some vanity in Doc that I don't know, it's, it's, it's subtle. In 1955, in 1955, Doc is looking at the little camera. That, I think it was a Panasonic. I don't know. I don't remember the, the, the video camera. Right. And he's saying, no wonder your president is an actor. He has to look good on TV. Then you see when, when Marty's like, I got to get back to 1985. I got a girl. Doc's question, is she pretty? He, is very he didn't say, did okay. you love her? He said, is you pretty? He's then, not kind of vain. He is very, very Cartoon vain. Doc is like, oh, I got a whole rejuvenation, change of blood, like? blah, blah, blah. I took the thing. How do I look? It's like new colon and spleen, I think, with a couple new skin cells. And then you got wrinkles. to part three, mm-hmm. and Doc Marty's telling him, yeah, you're going to get shot. And he was like, man, I wish I had paid him off now. But he, you know, Doc has his most growth in 1880, in the part three. He falls in love with Clara. He tells her the truth about who he is and why he has to leave. She comes to find him, Emmett, and you know, Clara. That was a cute, that was a cute little thing. And I feel like Doc had his most growth, as personal growth, as a character in the 1880s. And, you know, he's a scientist. He's going to go back to the 1880s, and he's inventing smack dab in the Industrial Revolution. Of course, he's going to have a good time in the 1880s. It's the Western, you know, cool. So you saw all the different characters go through their personal growth and their personal changes, and that's another part of what makes this story so compelling is getting to watch that, to root for these people, to root for Marty, to toggle back and forth between time with saving your best friend to making sure you don't not exist, making sure you exist, to making your parents' marriage better. You know, there's some really heavy themes here. Heavy. There goes that word again. Is there a problem with your Earth's gravitational pull? So, like, what's also interesting is the setting. Okay. 1980s. You had arcades. I mean, the music was hidden. Take on oh, yeah. me. Man, Take on everything me. Was so then you had a shout. Shout. Let it all out. But then you also had that song. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. But on the other side of that, you also had Raspberry Beret. 
you and know. Also, you know that. Ninety-nine love balloons. I don't know about that. What man? That's that's the song. I do know that song. I just don't like it. <laughs> man, that song is great. It's Bruh. Do I do I do I do I? Okay, I ain't gonna lie, but careless whispers of a Mm-mm. good friend. No, that is no, my no. jam. It will put me to sleep to this day. To this oh, day. Oh no! You know, eighty-five. I forgot. Mr. Telephone Man Uh-huh Something, Something wrong with my line. line When I call my baby's number I get a click every time Then you also had uh, To the beat of the rhythm of the night Dancing in the morning light Forget about the worries on your mind You uh, British Soul was, was hitting too You had uh, Loose Ends mm-hmm. You got me hanging on a string now Dun, dun. You have to tell me waiting, waiting contemplating. Contemplating. Also, you had those like Australian dudes. Oh, oh Sheila. <laughs> okay, so that is my question, right? We were able to come up with all those songs, and this is something that's kind of been looming in the back of my head. I don't mean to jump ahead, but that's the main thing that the modern 80s was missing. It was like the Friends version of the 80s. There's a black guy that serves us coffee and he's over there in the corner. Now we're going to live our lives and we don't see him anymore. We're just some friends and we are having fun. So you're saying there's no black people? There's no black people. There is only one. Wait, in the 80s, there was no black people? It was one. Which guy? The, wasn't it the guy who, like, who, who worked? No, that was when they went to the 50s. 50s. And then he said he wanted to be mayor. Wait, no, no, no. There was a black guy mm-hmm. in the 1985. Mayor Goldie Wilson. Yes. I like the sound of that. Yes. That guy. So, so that's why I was like, that was... That, that would be... Yeah, I can go into the next thing. I want to talk about the critiques on this story. Mm-hmm. Um... Before I get into the critiques, I just have to say, you got H.G. Wells, mm-hmm. and you know, he's, he, he's not a, I don't know how to say this, he's not a person of color. Well, you said it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming up with the idea of time travel mm-hmm. and a time machine. As a black person, it's only so far back I can go. And experience history like, wow, this is amazing. Without getting caught up in some sticky situations. Yes. I go back to the 18-somethings. Excuse me, where's your papers? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. You may not get the chance to turn that key. They may confiscate that DeLorean. I'm sitting there working on a plantation sweating. Like, how did I end up here? Yes, yeah, like once you pass a certain time, just entrance into that time comes along with shackles. I mean, 1880s, well, you had the segregation of public transportation. You know, I think Plessy versus Ferguson came back in 1890s, I think, and I'm pretty sure uh, the civil rights, I think there was like a civil rights amendment of the 1870s mm -hmm. that was overturned in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. So 1880s, you know, we wasn't really... No. And when I say shackles, I don't mean like physical all the time. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to have physical shackles, but some sort of shackle that will keep you from being able to have 
free movement as you do in the present. Yeah. And I'm talking about like 1980 after. Well, really more like 1973-ish afterwards. But you still really have to worry about the cops at that time, anytime. Anyway, but the 80s on was probably the safest time for us to be able to travel back to from this We didn't need a green age. book to go from place to place. <laughs> <laughs> what hotel do they <laughs> Where What streets kill? <sighs> so, like, I mean, it's only so far back we can go without, oh, no, I am in the wrong place. Without like a skin suit, mm-hmm. I need a high tech skin suit so I can blend in. But then as a woman, I'm looking at how they treat the women in the fifties. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. But that is the one thing you didn't really get to see with Back to the Future because mm-hmm. him interacting with society, he wasn't. Even though Marty was like almost like an outcast ish in mm-hmm. 1985, I mean he had big dreams. And I like how his relationship with Doc. Doc is an inventor. He has to have big dreams. So they kind of feel like they they, they, they come together on their, you dream just as big as I do. Exactly. And that that's for me, I think that's why it's so compelling. Because what you have is something that's actually really peculiar in this story. You don't normally see the protagonist be a young man and then befriend with a- an old scientists do but in this story they're just they're friends. just friends it was so refreshing and you've never i mean that's not something you normally see in a story and the reason why they're friends is because they're kindred spirits yeah and Doc. but but going back to that thing like look at marty's family ain't nobody really mm-hmm. trying to dream big you know the principal telling me this and so he's like man history's gonna change so he has all this faith and yes mm-hmm. my dreams are gonna come true so that makes him feel some type of way but when he goes back into the past, you know, he has that outcast feeling, but he goes back to the past. He's in the 50s. If I went back to the 50s, even if I was a dreamer, I would still have to deal with the negative impact in society because of my skin color. Mm-hmm. That's not something Marty had to deal with. So it's one thing being an outcast, but then when you're an outcast and you got a negative connotation attached to your skin color, Mm -hmm. that's another thing that he doesn't experience in society. He's not even a female, so he doesn't experience that either. Well, you know. But there's still the whole bully thing. You're always going to have bullies no matter, you know, Mm -hmm. the race. But he dealt with the bully. He dealt with Biff. And it was funny. This is a side note. I feel like he punched Biff the first chance he got. Oh, yeah. He'd been watching that dude terrorize his daddy. And when they was in the diner, he was like, Biff, look at that. And punched him and ran. Like, that was some little kid stuff. Like, You know he had to be feeling that after seeing your daddy get picked over at the dinner table by the guy from up the street your whole life. Oh, man. And I can punch this dude. We the same age. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get this dude. He probably been watching him since he been in diapers. Talking about like, dad, 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 dad. Shaking a little rat on it. He's like, man, I'm going to beat that dude as soon as I get it. <laughs> And he he cold cocked him as soon as he saw him. He was always trying to fight him. But um, that was a side note. Mm -hmm. But yeah, looking at it like... Now, if we had gone back, we would be hitting the late 80s. Yes. With our parents. Conveniently by our age, we end up being in that window. In that safe safe. window. To... You know, and then that makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Look, that's that's the great part about the story, inserting yourself in the story. Like, man, if I met my parents in the late 80s, my mom was a cadet getting ready to be a cop. My dad was on break from college. Wait, your mom? Oh, man, I got to say the same. 
So they met it. Uh, <laughs> they met it. My mom was shy. She grew up on a farm. You played Axel Foley. <laughs> you are funny. She's a cop. She wasn't a detective. She was a patrolman. What we we don't know what Axel Foley was. He lied so much in the movie. <laughs> he could have just been the Bro, dude who drove the bus. We will get to that in another podcast because <laughs> that is my movie. But no, so she's she's a cadet, and my dad is on break from college, studying whatever he was mm-hmm, studying, mm-hmm. biology. That's what I remember. Okay. So, you know, my mom is nervous, and and her cousin is what introduced my parents is my dad's best friend and he was also my mom's cousin she mm-hmm. was like i don't know how to meet guys it's all right, man you know i can introduce you to some guys i know this guy he's on working college he's cool he's smart you know what i'm saying it's all good and my mom is a country girl grew up on a farm like legit like pigs and, and, and farm animals and stuff like hang clothes on the line you know hand washing your clothes she grew up on a farm and what's interesting about my mom is when she came to the city remember that scene on elf where Will Ferrell's character has to go up the escalator and he does yes. that splits. That was my mom. She did not want to use the escalator. She was terrified. Oh, wow. So she's, I feel like she had that shyness to her. And I could see that with Marty interacting with his dad having that shyness. And so my mom, the way she tells it, she had just got her hair done. And she had a lime green jumpsuit on. And I was like, what? A lime green jumpsuit? What does that even mean? (laughs) That means the 80s. My dad had a curl. He had a jerry curl with them in tight pants. Oh, no. You say he had the soul glow? Just let your soul glow. Yes, he did. Soul glow activated. He had a curl. And it was fate. They met, fell in love, and... You know, popped out a couple kids. It's all good. But your parents, mm-hmm. late 80s, where are they at? They are in the center of the the 80s Mecca. When you think of 80s and you think the Mecca of the 80s, Miami. They are in the middle of Miami. It's beaches. Gold chains. Gold high chains. Tops. And they were church people. <laughs> they were in church. They met in church. That's that's the way it happened. So That's what they say. Because you remember when we was looking at Lorraine from 55. Oh, uh, yeah. She was, she was different than who she said she was. Yeah, she so was. So you would go back and find out. As In your words, she was wilding. So yes. my parents may have also been wilding at that time. So, so. you go to 1980s and you go mm. to the church house and you don't find your parents. And oh, you have, yeah. Or this is the way yours will happen. Mm. You run into your dad because you said if you went to the 80s, the mm. first thing you want to do was try a McDonald's hamburger. Yes, and I really meant that. If I went to the 80s, I want to try the McDonald's hamburger and french fries, what they made with the lard. Because everybody was like, when they had the beef lard on those french fries, man, it was delicious. And I was like, man, I I just want to try it. So I want to try it. I want to go meet my parents. So my mother at the time, I don't really know what she had going on, but uh, she had big glasses. Um, And (laughs) my dad had a high top. And it's weird for a tall guy to have a high top because it makes him even taller. So my dad was like 6'6 six, six at the time. He may have gotten shorter with age, but back then he was 6'6, six, six, not including the high top. So a 6'6 six, six guy with a high top, very hard to miss. Very hard so to miss. So a tall kid in play. Yeah, well, a tall kid. kid well, yeah, kid. With a shorter kid because it's not like the full length kid. It wasn't like the super high top. It wasn't the Gerald from Hey Arnold. Nah, it wasn't the Gerald. Just think like a half Gerald. 
He had the half Gerald. Yeah, the okay. half Gerald. So, so you know, that was his thing. So I would. Did he have a gold chain? He did have a gold yeah. chain. So he had the gold chain. He had the half Harold, and then my mother had the big glasses from the eighties. Yes. And the poofy hair. Yes. So, they met at church. They they were. Uh, no, no. This is the way it happens in your story. This is the way it happens in my story. And you bump into your dad, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, hey, man, love your hair." And you're like, "Oh, dude, your high top is what? What was the '80s lingo?" I would Tight say. was no, the no, '90s. No, no. That I was. Got, us. I have three of them. Is debonair? Is uh, slick? Is hold up, dope? Nope. Is Hold on, I got another one. I got another one. Hold on, just give me a second. Because in my head, for some reason, I can 2020 it. Whoa, look at your hair, my guy. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, dude. Okay, I did kind of. So get, cool. I did like. the kill from <laughs> Good Burger. <laughs> Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't think of how he would say it. He would probably just be like, that's different. Just because at that time nobody had locks, yeah, and your so hair is like almost down your back. That would be very, very different. So, so if you saw him, you'd be like, "Oh, Dad!" Yeah, that was my part, and he was like, "Dad, Dad, Daddy O." <laughs> you know, that was in the part that was when he was trying not to say "Dad." You said you wouldn't mess up. Yeah, I don't think I would mess up that bad. What I'd probably do is I would see my dad, and I would call him by his first name. So I'd be like, "Hey," and I'd say his first name, um, and just because I, I can't do that now because that's so disrespectful. <laughs> so you would take advantage of being I would totally take advantage of <laughs> so it. So you would say it every other line. Yeah, I'd be like every other line. Be like, hey, first name, first name, first name, dad's first name, dad's first name. Hey, what's up, dad's first name? Hey, dad's first name. Where are we going? We're going to church, right? Because, hey, you know what's at church? Jesus no, and you, the No, women. this is the way it would happen. You would be like, what's up? And he'd be like, do I know you? Yeah, I, I, I see you around, man. You know? At that church. And he's like, oh, hey, what's your name again? And then you're like, oh, my name is G. You can call me G. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up, G? And then he's like, man, I'm, you're like, man, I'm starving. I, I just want to try McDonald's. Oh, I know a McDonald's. Let's go eat. Because you know that was your dad's thing. He's 6'6 and he loved to eat. Yep. So y'all will go hop over to McDonald's and eat a burger. And then you're like, oh, man, you know what? I really could use some Haitian food. And he's like, stop playing. You from Haiti? And you're like, yeah, my dad is from Haiti. And then so and he'd be like, dude, let's go to my mom. She just cooked. So then you would go meet your grandparents. And that way you can get right into the same family unit like you had in Back to the Future. Yes, man. I'll be honest. I would be too excited to see my grandparents when they were younger. That would probably be the highlight for me is seeing my grandparents. They wouldn't all the way be young, but they'd be young enough to not be old. And what's interesting is your grandparents were the first to come to America, mm-hmm. just like Marty's um, ancestors were the first. So it's like a combination of In the 1880s. So, it, yeah. It would be a combination of the 1880 McFlies, and then it would also be that mixed with um, just the past 1950s. Yeah. But for me, I think the the most fun would be in just getting to see them as they are. And like for me, a big one would be being able to see my grandfather because I mean really the only memories I have of him was when he was kinda old and sick. Yeah. 
So it would be cool to be able to see him not old and sick. You know, I, yeah. I really enjoy that. See him in his prime. Yes. And that's what I think is awesome about these this the trilogy, the story, is getting to inhabit the past. It's no longer a concept or a picture in a photo album or a video or real. You know, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's a place you can be and interact and have an effect on you. It's literally just a lens that you can see all of that stuff from. And you get a greater appreciation. So as a person of color, minority, by society standards, going back to the past, I don't think, even if we went back when it wasn't so great for people that look like us, and that's putting it very nicely, um, you get a greater appreciation for what people went through because everybody talks about the past and they talk about history. And the hardest part though, about being a person of color, and as soon as you start to talk about your past and, and, and talk about what your uh, ancestors or your family members experienced in this country, the, con- the, the comment you get was that was so long ago. That was so long ago. And it's like, well, I mean, it's nice to, to, to have, watch a movie like Back to the Future where it's not that long ago. It's just a car ride away with a mm-hmm. little plutonium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, nobody can tell you, oh, that was just so long ago. You need to leave the past in the past. Well, I mean, if I can venture out to understand what the people went through before me, I can better appreciate the opportunities I have in front of me now because that's where Marty got to. After he met Seamus or Seamus McFly and Malcolm McFly, you know, his ancestors that, you know, the Irish settlers that settled in America. Yes. He got to get that greater appreciation from seeing their, their joy of seeing baby William being born in America. So that helped him improve as a person. So when you get into a fight in the 1880s, I think it helps you with your confrontation issues. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Can't nobody else call Marty a coward now. He's like, no, I fought in the Old West. Like, that is the one reason why Back to the Future Part 4 would just would have been awesome to see. I know they don't want to write a fourth one, but we need a fourth one because we not didn't get to see what Marty turned into. And of course we couldn't because it was still... You know, it wasn't now. We've passed all that. We passed 2015. We're in 2020. And we don't have to. That's what people don't realize. You don't have to make the adventure with Marty on a skateboard. He don't have to be on a skateboard. He's old. You know what I'm saying? So Marty doesn't have to to do the same things he did when he was younger. It should be a story about him looking back like, man, it is so interesting to see where I've come from and to see where I'm at mm-hmm. and him still having to confront things because we're having to confront a lot of things in society today. You still have to make progress no matter where you are. But I think that would be the, the, the cool part of even though if we got a time machine, we wouldn't want to go to certain places. But getting to see your ancestors suffer, it will give you a great appreciation. Man, but, it's a hard one for me, though, man, because I, I don't know if I can see them suffer and not have anger it just boil up inside of me, you know? Well, I mean, you've known. This isn't... It's something you've had to deal with every day. So just seeing it, I think it would affect you, but through, you know, working through the experience you might have had in the 50s watching people get abused... 
there's one thing you had was unity. Everybody else was getting abused and knew what you were going through. You weren't the only person going through it. Right. But that one critique I do have, like I said, movies are like people and they have their flaws, is a representation in that movie. And I'm not trying to be a social justice warrior or anything, but it just feels like it was a poor opinion of black folk. Hey, one thing he did say is they will not be terrorized. Oh, gosh. that You know, when I saw that scene as a kid, I didn't really understand what I was looking at because when, I'll say this, the way black people were using that story seemed to signify something. In the 1950s, you see re-elect Mayor Red Thomas. I think that was the guy. Progress is his middle name. It's his platform. He runs into Goldie. He has a gold tooth, so his name is Goldie Wilson. And he is a colored, you know, servant. A colored mayor, that'll be the day. That's what he is. He's a colored person cleaning the floor because that's what we could do, I guess, in the 50s. And then he becomes mayor in the 1980s. And I just feel like it's weird to show that kind of plagiarism because he just literally takes everything Red Thomas was doing and redoes it. The, from the car to the bullhorn, everything. He's doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And he just exactly copies the guy that was mayor when he was a kid. It didn't, it don't seem like a great person to me. And then when they wanted to show the dystopian 1985, what did they do? Put a black family in the house. That means the neighborhood has gone down. Dude, that's what I was saying earlier. It's just leave it to Beaver friend's view of the future. So he, he, he I, when, the, when the guy is chasing Marty with a bat and he said, you tell them realtors we ain't selling you here. We ain't fit to be terrorized. I was like watching that as a kid. And I was like, why does he talk like that? And my parents, you know, they're just like, oh, that's just the way they wrote it. And I'm, I'm looking at the people, even in my family, that might not have a lot of money. They don't even talk like that. No. I, I didn't hear anybody in the black vernacular talk like that. I was just like, why is he so exaggerated in a caricature? But I couldn't really under grapple with it. So I was like, you know, Westworld looks like nothing to me. So, yep. you know, I'm a kid. I'm like, okay. You get used to it. Misrepresentation of a black person in a movie is not going to stop me from watching it. Unless it's just ridiculous. But, like like birth of a nation ridiculous but i'm talking about the original one you know from when they had the ridiculous notion of every black man wants to do bad things to white people but for, you know for the longest time we had a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes Who I, don't know, it? I don't know if it's still on there but um mart it's you know, nobody wants to talk about it, but I mean, it was there. And, and so I didn't like the fact that she used the black family to symbolize, this is the dystopian future. There's a black family living there. There's bars on the windows and places, you know. I, I, I just thought it was weird and it made me feel weird as a kid and I didn't know what to, where to put that. It didn't mean I still didn't like the story. It didn't mean I didn't find the story compelling. Like I said, it was one of my favorite movies for the longest. Then, you know, it just, the Goldie, Mayor Goldie Wilson, I like the sound of that. It just felt so forced. And I, the writers and the, the makers of these movies, 
if they have implicit an implicit bias or if they don't really work with people of color or know people of color, they're going to paint a picture of them with what they think they are. I know one black guy. I know how they think. They would probably say this. And I'm just, it, it, it was just weird for me watching the different black people pop up in Back to the Future and what they were meant to do. They were just meant to, I, I don't know, show degrade, degradation in, in a sense, like, oh, the neighborhood gone down. So just put black people in it. Everybody will understand that. Oh, yeah. And so that's, and also the way they, women don't really have real character growth. Like Jennifer, I don't know how many times they knocked that girl out. I don't know how many times they knocked that girl out. And, 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 and just didn't care about her. They left her in the dystopian 1985. Jennifer's role was actually probably written in her script as sleeping. Sleeping beauty? Yeah, cue sleep. And she probably practiced like five, six different ways to fall asleep because she fell asleep in almost every movie. She even saw herself and fell asleep. <laughs> How'd you do that? She's the only person. She saw herself and fell asleep again. And, and what's interesting is they had to have some kind of nudie woman in every iteration of time. Like the dystopian future, there was a nudie woman in a bathtub. In 1985, they had the X-rated movie theater. In 1880, when you look in the bar upstairs, oh, there's some women that we can pay for. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the 1955, when you look at part two, he has the nudie magazine. And even in 2015, when you look at what Marty's son is watching on TV, I'm pretty sure there's a woman in there and wearing some weird bra, doing some weird stuff. It was like, I didn't know what was going on. So, you know, I guess, you know, we got to have women being an object for affection in that kind of way. But... Um, it was a really interesting story in the different ways we took it in the different places we went and even the quotes like one one thing I thought was hilarious was um, Doc is like what am I wearing there and then Marty's like a radiation suit this is 1955 he's watching the recording on the TV and he's like oh right from the fallout of the atomic wars and Marty don't even say nothing to correct him I was like I don't even know if Marty knew what that meant because he couldn't say. What's that word that Marty couldn't say? Um, Schematic. Yes. That was in part three. Okay. I skipped ahead. But just the fact that he couldn't say schematic, I'm almost 100% certain he don't know anything about the atomic fallout. Well, no, 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 no. He he might not know what he meant, but if you look, the Vietnam War started November 1st, 1955. Mm. Just the very beginning of it. So, Doc is in November 5th, 1955. So, oh, that makes sense. You know, he was so paranoid. And then they had duck and cover and whatnot. I'm pretty sure. You remember when they was teaching them kids, if you see an atomic bomb, duck under your desk. Yes, I do remember that. Um, Also, uh, what was interesting is in the dystopian um, newspaper clipping from 1985, it said... Nixon has is seeking a fifth term, and he vows to end the Vietnam War by 1985. You know the Vietnam War ended in 1975. Yes, it didn't last very long at all. No, no, no. I'm not talking about it lasting very long. I'm talking about 
in the dystopian future, the Vietnam War is still going on. Nixon is seeking a fifth term. And uh, Bifco took over the Lone Pines Mall. So corporations are taking over everything. And it said Hill Valley pollution alert. So it's polluted. So, you know, climate is bad and nothing is going great. So if Biff gets the money, everybody loses for some reason. And one thing I, I haven't I wanted to talk about was the interesting change of the setting and how they handled that in from the 1880s to the 1985 and to 1955. Do you mean the way that every different you can different? You could see the difference, like with the high school. It had the graffiti on it, didn't look as nice it did in 1955. Mm-hmm. You know, you got new housing developments popping up. You got... Uh, money pouring in you can build a nice high school you know everybody's doing great you know america is prospering you know we're moving forward we got milk on the table and wonder bread and meatloaf and and the american family and you know you're juxtaposing that kind of to the way or i mean are you juxtaposing yeah i'm I'm juxtaposing that because when you look at 1885, mm-hmm. we got the new settlement. They had the Native Americans pop up, and then they had the cavalry chasing them out. So you got Manifest Destiny going on. So we just settle in the New West, pushing out the uh, indigenous people, pushing out the Native Americans, and grabbing that land. And you had all the settlers coming in, and you saw social socialization. And by I'm not talking about like, I mean, I'm talking about like hanging out. It was different each time. So they had that little, you know, ZZ Top playing. They had the little, yes. dun, dun, dun. you know, mm-hmm. when they were um, hanging out at the dance, you saw that. Then you also, in the 1950s, you saw the dance at school. Mm-hmm. And in the 1980s, you knew they had to have some arcades. They had to have some hanging out. He was auditioning to play the dance. So they had that. They didn't show it really. But, you know, the hanging out was there because it's the 80s. But one thing you saw in the 80s is the mall. Mm -hmm. The mall is a big deal in the 80s. You even saw that in Stranger Things when they put the mall out in the new season. The sad thing is they they literally used the mall just for him to have that chase scene and end up being in 1955. Well, what's interesting is the mall didn't exist in 1980. I mean, 1950. It was just farmland. Right. So right. You, you got to see the development of each mm-hmm. each time period. Right. Like, what was the center point of like what of, of life? And he's like, meet me at the mall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It made me think that Doc was taking a stab at trying to be younger than what he was by saying, meet me at the mall. Or it could have just been that was a convenient place for him. But you know, it might have just been so complete. kooky and quirky. But, you know, it's it's just interesting seeing that. And then in 2015, when they were in the cafe 80s and he played the arcade game and he was like, you have to use your hand. That's a baby's toy. And, you know, Elijah Wood made his um, debut in Back to the Future. You know, the guy from Lord of the Rings. Yes. I did not realize that that was him as a kid until he just said that. Oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah, they they were looking at 2015 from an 80s standpoint, like yes. the, the way people hung out, because like the way people hang out in 2015 or 2020. 
for me, the big thing was Jaws. You really think we still watching Jaws in 2015 <laughs> in 3D? You know how many years that would have been since Jaws came out? That's a forever ago. I think know? it was just the, they have Jaws. And they had the Jaws, so, you know, they kept coming out. They're talking about how movies keep coming out with sequels and stuff. Yes. No, 100%. And, and that's a whole conversation. The Because the, it, it was still the 1980s perspective on what 2015 would be. So it would be awesome to get a new Back to the Future movie. Not with Michael J. Fox running around, you know, on a skateboard or a hoverboard or... I mean, I think it would be awesome to show him and acknowledge his Parkinson's because the reason I say that is when the new Psych movie came out, you know, Psych, the show, they, uh, Timothy, I don't know how to say his last name, but I can see it in my head. The guy that plays Detective Lassiter, Mm -hmm. he had a stroke in real life and they allow that to be played out on the show it's a, it's an important part of the storyline and they did it beautifully and wonderfully so that gave me an appreciation for what we even as humans have to deal with it's not like oh they just wrote her pregnancy in the show it's not something like they just threw in it, they, they, they took the time and crafted the story around that and I think it would be interesting to craft the story talk about Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's and Marty also getting Parkinson's and dealing with like wow mm. you know Looking at what he, like, wow, 2015 is not what I thought it would be. 2020 is not what I thought it would be. Have a little social commentary on there. Talk about, like, man, it's weird how these, how the internet came, social media came, you know. So many things have changed the youth from what they thought the youth were going to be. Because if you would have walked in the cafe 80s, it would have been a table full of people sending gifts and memes to each other on their phones. Like... We're not even at the point where a hologram will jump out of the movie theater. Man, because of COVID, like the movie theater is even suffering in and of itself. But it would be awesome to see Marty, what he turned into, what he became from all the character growth he had. Because we got to see with the character growth with his father, what he turned into. We got to see Doc's character growth. He ends up getting married and having babies. You know, we get to see the fruit of the growth of each character. Right. But we did not get to see it with Marty. We just got a hope and a promise of the future isn't even written. Now, my question is, do you feel like the story actually isn't about Marty, but it's actually about Doc? And the reason why I say that is because he goes through the most metamorphosis out of anybody. He dies in the first one and he comes back to life and he's constantly put in peril. And it's always normally about saving Doc. After, you know, um, Marty went back to save his Well, parents. in the first one, it was all about making sure Marty can exist. Yes. But no, at first he was trying to just get out of there because Doc got killed. He was really sad. You remember that? I mean, well, he got transported by accident in 1955 and he saw Doc was alive. And, you know, Doc helped him get back to 1985. And Doc helped him, you know, not to exist. Then in the second one. Doc comes back and he helps Marty with his family. And saying your family's messed up. Then they kind of mess up the, well, Marty and Biff. And the timeline gets messed up. So they have to save the timeline. You know, mm-hmm. Marty's dad is dead in that time period. His mom is, you know, getting abused and married to Biff. And they have to fix that. So you weren't, I mean, the, the most you saved Doc from was being committed in 
the dystopian 1985. Then in the third one, he literally goes to save Doc from the 1880s because he's stuck there and he literally dies, gets shot by Abyss, his ancestor. So... Uh, I can see what you're saying, but I think they had uh, an equal footing in being protagonists in the story, Doc and Marty. More so for Doc in the 1880s. Yes. Man, that was my favorite Doc. I mean, of course, I like the old school 50s Doc. He was funny, but the 1880s Doc was so um, capable of just making use of what was around him. And he was just a very kind individual. I feel like that was my favorite character. That was your favorite? Yeah. I thought the 1955 Doc was funny. Like, everything he said was so outdated. And, like, no wonder this is faulty. It was made in Japan. And then Marty's like, what do you mean, Doc? Japan makes the best stuff. And he's like, what? I mean, he's a product of his time. So Mm -hmm. I just think he was funny, especially because that Doc is the big dreamer. He had just had the idea for the flux capacitor, and it's 1955. It doesn't get realized in 1985. It's 30 years of him working. So he's he's so, you know, into his, you know, experiments. And he knows he built a time machine that worked. So, yeah, Doc is, I, I like that Doc. But, I, I mean, I like every Doc. I don't know if I have a favorite one. Well, then I'll ask you this. Do you have a favorite Marty? A favorite Marty? No. I don't. I think he. it was fun to watch him skateboard through the 80s. It was fun to watch him skateboard through the 50s, 50s and skateboard or the, hoverboard through the, the 2015s. And then even hoverboard into the 1880s, they had that hoverboard going. And I think it's fun to see Marty just adventure. Like, I, I don't really have a favorite Marty. Yeah, so I don't know if I have a favorite, but I do like the character development. And it goes back to what I was saying about the different themes of family and, and, you know, possibility for personal growth, you know, and their expectations and their dreams. Because everybody had different dreams. Even the dad's dreams were realized in the end because he was writing science fiction during the golden age of science fiction in the 50s. So all you had to do was write a science fiction book and it seemed like it hit. I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't have the research for that one. But there were a lot of people writing and he was watching science fiction theater. So, you know, it's a good call. It was a cool callback because like this literally is a science fiction movie. And his dad ends up writing his science fiction story and he realizes his dreams. You know, mm-hmm. Marty wanted to play guitar. He got to play guitar in the 50s at a dance. They might have said no, but he still got to play it's a good story because the possibility to insert yourself into the narrative and wonder what would happen if I went back and saw my parents. It's cool to watch each character go through their character development. It's cool to see the settings change. Like you see America go from the 80s where you got cool music coming out. It's all about bands. You got the mall. You got arcades. You got fast food franchises popping up. You got your Wall Street culture. You got all that stuff. And of course, the obvious, the DeLorean. Yeah. And you got, from the 50s, you had all the music. And, you know, they had the, you know, all the kids hanging out with each other. Still, it was hard because there's only one side of the 50s. Because there's the whole other side. Like, 
I wonder what the coloreds are doing over in the well, we in the briefly, school. We briefly. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about briefly. I'm saying like you, 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 you see Hilldale High School or whatever mm. it was called. I, I don't remember Hill Valley High School. Um, you see the high school, and it's segregated. So you don't know what the people of color, and the reason I said colors is because that's what they called us back in the 50s because he mm. literally said, a colored mayor, that'll be the day. I mean, you don't get to see that side of society. It was, But it, it's understandable because you only focus on this one family. Right, and right. if you're focusing on one family and they're not of color, I don't really know what to say then there. The, the perspective is going to be, no, and it's not. And that's not... It's not a really a big critique. It's just, mm-hmm. and the 50s wasn't, yes, it was a time of hardship for people of color, but it was also a time for family. Yeah. We still had families. We still had dinner. We still had, you know, places where we hung out. So just as me being a person of color, that's just what I think of when I think of where would I be in the story. So you have the potential, even if the people in the story didn't write it, you can think about it. Mm-hmm. You can think about where your family would be, especially you. You know, the fifties. You, your family would have been. Well, your dad's side of the family would have still been in Haiti. Right, right. My dad's side of the family still would have been in Haiti, but my mother's side of the family would have been in the states, and mm-hmm. I would probably have seen my mother's side of the family, just because it'd be hard to get a DeLorean to Haiti and then drive it at eighty-eight miles per hour. When I know <laughs> nothing about it, but one thing that I, I know I would probably see is I'd have to be careful going back to see you know, my mother's family, because for me, I'd, I'd really want to be careful not to come back with hurt feelings. Because, I mean, they've told me all the stories. I've seen the things that they, they've said they've done and the evidence of that stuff as well. And Talking being, about racism and yeah, things. Yeah, talking about racism and things. Like my grandmother um, worked with initially integrating one of the big companies that she worked for. And mm-hmm. she talked about that process and, and how that was difficult. And seeing her have to go through that in real time may make me feel some kind of way. You know, it might affect me. Well, you would have to know that going into it, if you got the ability to have a time machine and experience the past firsthand, that I know I come from a different place. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate where I live. Because if you just come back with hurt feelings and you're a hateful person, you're not going to make any kind of progress. Or eat. like, I mean, it's just about growth. That's you're not going to have growth. Yeah, that's actually really true. I think that's a better way to. You don't want to regress it. just by seeing the past. You want to appreciate it. You know what? That's a really interesting perspective. Just from seeing the past, you'd be like, oh, now I'm going backwards. That's that's really a crappy way to do it. Yeah, yeah. But it was a really interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. I like to talk on Back to the Future. Um, I hope we continue to do this. And it's October. So I yes. did want to do some horror stuff, but I want to start off on Back to the Future Day because... <laughs> I just wanted to throw one of those. <laughs> it, 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 you are silly. It's, it's talking about Back to the Future and Back to the Future Day was important to me. But I still love horror movies, and I hope the next podcast will be all about horror because um, I couldn't read as a kid. Not to say I couldn't read. It was before I got to that point. I'm not saying I couldn't read because I read at the same. I was reading like every other kid. But before I could read, when I was little, like a little kid, I knew horror movies 
before I could, like, my dad would be telling me, like, a bedtime story. And I'd be like, wait. And Freddy Krueger jumped out. Like, I don't know what my parents were doing let me watch all them scary movies as a kid, but I loved them. Like, I wasn't scared of anything. Well, I mean, I was still scared of, like, you know, the normal things kids are. Like, your relatives talking about, you remember me? No, I don't remember you. That was the scariest thing as a kid. When you oh, my. The or they hand you the phone and they're like, your auntie want to talk to you? Which one? I don't. Hello? Hey. You know, this your ain't so-and-so. You don't yes, remember me? Or, or they'd be like, who are you talking to? They would always quiz you. You get on the phone, you're like, hello? And you're like, hey. And they're like, oh, hey, auntie, which one am I? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one. Just tell me. And then they tell you some weird story. You know, you used to come over to my house when you were so tiny and crawl and try to bite everything. And you're like, oh, okay, thank you. That was the fear of mine as a child, just dealing with all the family, because we had a huge family. It was always somebody old. One that... Mm-mm. But no, I wasn't scared of nothing scary. I love scary movies as a kid. So, great month. Mm-hmm. This is a cool month to talk about movies. And this is... Oh, and this is really a cool first episode to hop off on. So, it's really cool to be able to talk about Back to the Future the trilogy on the day that is the anniversary yes. of them going yes. to the future. And so I'm I'm very happy that we were able to do this episode. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing a few more too. I know, that's right. <laughs>